I've taken my ginkgo biloba and I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> oh uh, before we talk about our body odor and our brain pills. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to Chronically Fully Sick. We're recording today on the stolen lands of the Eora and Kula Nations. Sovereignty was never ceded and this was and always will be Aboriginal land. Thank you, Joe. Yes, welcome to episode 14 of Chronically Fully Sick, the podcast that was recently referred to in a very public and professional capacity as chaotic yet endearing. <laughs> my, aww. My, aww. my name is Chloe Sargent and with me is my stunning, sexy co-host, Joanna Nielsen. Uh, so if you want to get updates on us and the Chronically Fully Sick podcast, you can do that on Twitter at Chronic Full Sick, Instagram at Chronically Fully Sick, or you can get in touch with us via our website, chronicallyfullysick.com. We do have a group on Facebook, which is filled with lovely spoonies who chat about all things chronic illness. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe because we are very talented and professional podcasters and otherwise we'll beat you up. Yeah. Good or I'll kill you. <laughs> You're going to die up there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so pew, 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 we're back. It's been a while. It Sorry. has been a while. P.S. No one noticed that we were away. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That's that's fine. I love that Like all of our listeners, though, are because they're all chronically ill, they're like, yeah, take an extra week. Go for it. Go for it. Like we understand, you know. Like it's the it's the best possible audience. <laughs> to oh, have they're in this probably situation. in hospital. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're like we slept through it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my sort of crazy time sort of uh, pinnacled at Mardi Gras. I've been working so hard on uh, Mardi Gras stuff at work. So finally, when Mardi Gras happened, it was like, oh, that is the end of my full-on time at work and now it's just like you know when your body waits for you to be done and then it's like mm-hmm. ha, ha 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 now suffer it's like when you get sick on holidays mm. as soon as you relax or yeah anything like that it's like your body's just like ha ha suck shit so yeah my body is still recovering from all of that and joe you've had a <laughs> describe oh, your really time <laughs> So I think I have endometriosis or a cyst and I had a flare up and then I had a nervous breakdown. Gosh. Which was pretty cool. Your nails look nice I think it was. Oh yeah, thanks. Mm, I've got little hearts on the end. As a lot of other Spoonies will understand that work as well, working full time and not being well can often be extremely difficult. Totally. Both physically and emotionally. And I also think that a lot of stuff in the news lately really hit me hard. Mm. I work in a part of the community that has a lot to do with certain issues. I can't really say much more than that. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a, um, bit of a tougher, tough topic to talk about in not vague terms, but... Uh... Yeah, and just like, I'm super bad at self-care. Like I don't really, I, I'm just like plug all the bad news into my veins yeah. kind of person. I'm the same. Um, I'm such a news, news head kind of person that like, I yeah. really struggle to, everyone's just like, just, you know, 
turn your phone off and don't look at it. And I'm like, I can't. I physically can't. The news has been my whole career. Like, I, don't, I can't I just turn it off, you know? But well, it is. Same it's, too. Like, I've got a journalism degree, as you totally. know. Totally. So. And it's, it's just one of those things that, like, you're either that type of person or you're not. But it is such a massive learning curve to take care of yourself when stuff that is in the news is such heavy topics that are so like triggering and traumatizing and can be re-traumatizing for people that it's so so hard and it's not a lesson that you like you learn and then you're like cool now I know it it's something you have to relearn constantly you know like you have oh to oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it's a constant battle also and I was saying this the other day maybe it's particular to some people in Melbourne I don't know but I just oh, actually everywhere I don't know anyone that's died from coronavirus I don't know anyone that's got it actually mm. which I know a lot of people uh, a lot of our listeners elsewhere will find absolutely shocking mm. I know um, one person but they're in America you know I don't know yeah. anyone in Australia who's got it yeah I know yeah. someone in London that had it but it's just I think now that Trump's gone and it's receding in Australia and there's a vaccine or whatever everyone's like woohoo let's get back to normal everything's yeah. fine and like I am I'm not fine yeah totally. <laughs> and I think a lot of people aren't fine and we're just pretending that it's business as usual and everything's okay but it's I'm not okay yeah <laughs> And it's like a deeply overwhelming thing as well to just like, like a lot of workplaces are now rolling out like back to work plans in the offices mm. and that kind of stuff. And like I went into my office the other day to, because I had to do something that was physically at the office and yeah, I only go in really, really sporadically, but even though there's like a back to work plan, the office was basically completely empty. The only people that were there were there because they had to physically be there to like click the switch to make the TV go. <laughs> like it was, you know, like yeah. it was... Like everyone is just like so, seems still like just so overwhelmed by the idea of just returning back to normal that, yeah, I think everyone's feeling it, you know, to mm. different extents for sure. I don't know. Like for me, I'm just looking around me and everyone's like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, mm. no. Well, there was the news <laughs> this morning of a doctor in a Brisbane hospital that's tested positive. I know. Yeah. But anyway, so it's, COVID it keeps going. Talk. Mm. Blah, blah. <laughs> so my brain was like, Blah. Yeah, and my body was like, Blah, and I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, there's a really um, good article. Um, there's one on uh, the ABC and there's one done by SBS as well that's uh, about how to sort of take care of yourself when there's like sort of really sort of difficult topics in the headlines and that kind of thing. So we'll link mm -hmm. those in the notes uh, to the episode if anyone else is also really struggling with this kind of stuff because it mm. is a constant uh, exercise in learning and we're, we're all feeling it. So let's, let's get some resources together. Mm. And of course, the last couple of weeks have been all about feminism and queer and labor rights as well, which mm -hmm. you and me both love dearly. Of course, all your work at Mardi Gras, where you work at the Gay Factory, mm. I assume. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, it is where I was born. I was taken out of the big gay machine. <laughs> Haven't left since. Yeah, the big old gay um, factory. <laughs> uh Apart from working on that, you also have another announcement to make in regards to a certain speaking engagement. Oh, yeah. So um, the announcement of the lineup happened this week, just gone. So um, I'm on the lineup for the Sydney Writers Festival for the first time, which is super, super exciting. Yay. And not only am I on the lineup, I'm actually chairing an event. Like, I'm the one that is interviewing all of these, like, 
fantastically talented people on stage. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, which makes me feel very um, important, which mm. love and stand that for me. But, yeah, so I'm having a chat to a bunch of chronically ill and disabled writers, all of whom who have had books out in the past year. So it is a friend of the podcast, Kylie Maslin, Fiona Murphy and Jacinta Parsons, who, yeah, all of their books are absolutely stunning and I'm just, yeah, I'm so, so excited. And the event is actually uh, the day after my 30th birthday, which is uh, <laughs> going to be interesting. And so I, uh, yeah, going to have to really reel in my um, sadness drinks about turning 30. But you know, no, anyway, what? I'm, not, I'm no, not, one of, not one of those people. Turning 30 is, 30s are the best years for yeah. women, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm actually, like, not faced about it at all. Yeah, so, like, that's really exciting. And, uh, yeah, I've always sort of wanted to be on the Sydney Writers Festival lineup and it's looking at some of the other people who are on the lineup it's just like kind of mind blowing you so know cool. seeing my name next to theirs kind of thing it's really really baffling to me but you know super super sweet yes so mm. yes this week uh, yeah. speaking of news i came across an article on the abc our beloved national broadcaster Auntie, talking about the new rules around opioid prescriptions from, I think they came in last year. So the, it's titled, New Rules Around Opioid Prescriptions Leave Few Options for Australians in Pain. So basically when, um, what happened was is that um, in Australia for a really long time, you could get sort of low dose codeine over the counter so things like Nurofen plus and I think it was like 12 milligrams of codeine so really low level drug mm. not not anything major like nothing next to sort of panadine fort or anything like that but you could get those over the counter and they mm. were super helpful for obviously chronic pain sufferers like us but also things like people that get migraines and people that have quite bad period pain and that kind of stuff it's yep. just you would it was just that something that little bit stronger to sort of help you get through the particularly hard days and then because of I I have a theory that it was because uh, sort of a overreaction to the opioid crisis in the US uh, exactly they, they decided to take all of the codeine away from pharmacies and just only do it via prescription so mm. now we're in this strange position where the scheduling for all of these different opioid medications is so high and so difficult to get that it's actually like really really hard for chronic pain sufferers and kind of demonizes us and makes us feel like drug seekers um yeah um back to the opioid crisis as you yeah. just mentioned um sorry i did that all really fast no 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 that was really good because my brain is clearly not engaging with the world right now um so jealous <laughs> jealous jealous of um, the brain not engaging with the world <laughs> the problem is i think so i'll just cite some figures here in 2006 deaths involving opioids occurred in australia at a rate of 22 people in every million but by 2016 that figure had more than doubled to 53 people in every million it has since fallen but health regulators are keen to avoid an opioid addiction crisis on the scale seen in the u.s which is we we've discussed this in mm, the past yeah where in the past few years more than 140 people per 1 million died of an opioid related overdose every year now this is not actually helpful because it's not making a differentiation between something like over-the-counter codeine right yeah. and, and fentanyl yeah and oxycontin and well, that's stuff what i was going to say about the schedule stuff is that like now in australia mm. it's just as hard to get this low level like ibuprofen and codeine like 12 mm. milligrams of codeine it's just as hard to get that as it is to get 
OxyContin, you know? Like yes. It's like so when I go to the doctor. They're on the same schedule. <laughs> like totally. It's bizarre. I went to the doctor to get pain relief and Tremadol isn't working anymore. Mm. I get codeine for, you know, just everyday breakthrough pain. But they just yeah. gave me OxyContin. Yeah, because they're like, well, why why would we give you this one when we could just give you this one? That it like seeing as Yeah, seeing as the, like, powers that be decide that they're just as addictive as each other. Like, it's just, yeah. it makes no sense at all. It I'm makes very no sense. I'm very baffled by all of it. Yeah. And it just leaves people in pain, suffering, mm. basically. Yeah. I know um, that my, my quality of life totally went down after um, oh, yeah. those, those rules came in because it's like, there's obviously like a massive difference between drug addiction and drug dependency and I think even mm-hmm. at that point in time there was like addiction is a very strong word to use for what how often I was using these very low level drugs and yeah as soon as that was taken away I was like well if I can't you know use these tablets to get through the bad days at work and that kind of stuff all of a sudden I'm taking so much more sick leave I'm I'm lucky that I have sick leave you know like there's plenty Mm. of people that don't have sick leave and just can't afford to take the day off of work because they're not well and it's oh it just makes well and the other thing is like like you're saying we need these often low-level opioids to actually get through the day at work right yeah so they're taking that away or making it more difficult to get. You can get like what a box of twenty max a month mm. or something. Yeah, but what, oh, they also what um, the price rose as well. Oh yeah, that was really cool. That yeah. was really good. It went from like six dollars when it was over the counter, and now it's like I think last time I got it, it was like twelve or something. or something. Yeah, twelve or fourteen. It was like oh, yeah, cool. it depends. No generic or not. But the other thing is, they're like, okay, well, we just think you should just go to pain clinics and osteos and physios. It's mm. like, okay, I would love to do that. A, it's not going to super work for everything or everyone. And B, in order for me to pay for that, I need to work. Yeah. And also there's plenty of people, yeah, there's plenty of people who have gone to pain clinics and do go to all of the things that they suggest as like the only management plan. It's like, no, no, we've done that. (laughs) I still need drugs to get by sometimes. Like that is just part of... You've been to a pain clinic. Totally. Like that is just the nature of these conditions. Like it is, that's just part and parcel of it. So yeah, it's just, I feel like it's just demonizing people who have any sort of like chronic pain related kind of stuff. And like I said, it's even, you know, people that get migraines and period pain and that kind of stuff they would often go to the chemist and get that kind of thing and that's yeah now they're having to take the day off because they don't have anything that could help them get by so it's it's just it all very strange and a strange and let's not demonize let's not demonize drug users either like this is all just puritanical bullshit yeah absolutely um, based in fear and shitty scientific studies yeah in any case like i don't get high off the medication that i have to use Mm -mm. because i need it yeah, same. It's, it's so like, It's like annoying. they think that we're just like, we run home and just chuck them all in our mouths and they're like, wee, you know, like, I don't... Well, I do do that, but... but <laughs> that's like, not in the way that it's like, I'm just doing this for funsies to like, get high no. kind of thing. It's like, no, I'm doing that because I am in so much pain and I desperately just want one second of one day where I don't feel pain in my body. Like, oh, no. oh, Yeah. It's really, 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 yeah. really, really bad. But I was, I was really surprised when this article came out from the ABC because it was... It, it is so rare to see that side, chronic pain sufferers, that that sort of narrative being put out to the world, you know, about like yeah, how this has affected us. Like I've, yep. I reckon that story probably got shared in our group, I reckon about five or six times since it's come out. Oh, and everyone, 
in within the chronically fully sick Facebook group mm. was totally on board with what it was saying and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like this is an issue that has affected us hugely. Yeah. And considering hugely. how many people have chronic pain or chronic conditions in Australia, it's like that that is an enormous amount of people that this is affecting. Oh, you know, like and yeah. like in regards to coding too, look, I have spent a lot of time around dodgy people in my life, right? You know, always excited I, I, to see where you're where you're heading with this when you start it with that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had a partner that was addicted to heroin, mm-hmm. like quite frankly, and I unfortunately have been around a lot of this a fair bit in my life. Um, yeah. it's not a problem that I've struggled with personally. Mm-hmm. Thank Christ. Yeah. But it, do, it does affect a lot of people. Not totally. once have I seen a person that is an opioid addict super rely on um, Nurofen Plus yeah. to get off. Absolutely. It doesn't happen. I've seen them trying to do cold water extraction and all this kind of bullshit. But, yeah. like, that's super rare. And, like, honestly, the people that are overdosing on this stuff are not people with chronic illness. And yeah. all that would have taken to fix this is a good education ca- campaign because mm-hmm. a lot of people that got hooked on oxycodone and oxycontin in the US mm. were not educated about it because they were lying totally. to them about its effects. Yeah. And the ability for community members and health responders to have things like Narcan nose spray on them, yeah. which is reverses yeah. the effect of a heroin or opiate right. overdose yeah. instantly. Mm. Currently, I think that's an intramuscular injection, but these are two things that would have tackled this better instead Absolutely. of just clamping down on this and making people un- suffer unnecessarily. And it's I can't afford like, to go to the oste- uh, like a osteopath or whatever yeah. every week. I don't have the time to do that, and I don't think it would fucking do anything. Yeah. There's plenty of other medications that you can go to the chemist and you have to, like, they log down your license number of how, like, to check how often you're getting it or something. Oh, why, no, no, why no. Why they just this, do that? There's another thing at the moment where the doctor can see, it's just come in pretty recently, your doctor can see what other doctors have been prescribing you of medication on the schedule. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which was, it took me by surprise last time I was at the doctor because they could see that I went and got Valium somewhere else. Right, um, gotcha. And I got fully questioned about, not in a bad way, but yeah, yeah. like that kind of took me by surprise. This yeah. is why I opted out of my health record so they couldn't see this shit. <laughs> yeah, you never really sort of heard much about the my health record thing after it happened, but um, yeah. Anyway, we're we're getting off track. But the um, anyway, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll link this story in the um in the show notes as well because it is really really interesting and like we said, so many people in when it was posted in our group, so many chronic pain sufferers were just like, oh my God, this, like, holy shit. Like, this is really summarized mm. so much. So it was just really cool to see that in mainstream media, that side of the story, as opposed to bizarre clickbaity stuff that doesn't really seem to apply to us. Yeah, anyway. Totally. Very cool. We love a bit of representation. Speaking of representation, Chloe. Yes. So recently I was watching a movie which I hadn't seen before, which I am kicking myself about because it's a classic and I totally loved it. And of yeah. course I would. Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. Or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. A moving <laughs> picture. Yeah. 
It's one of those movies um, that I've seen years and years and years and years ago. And I know that I've seen it, but I can't remember anything about it. So you'll yeah, have to. It's in, it's in black and white mm. and it's got Peter Sellers playing a bunch of um, different characters. You know, it's about the nuclear bomb and stuff. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Everyone should just watch it. It was in black and white, which is why I didn't watch it for ages because I'm like, oh, black and white, subtitles. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> wow. It okay. doesn't have subtitles, sure. but like, yeah. you know, I, I just have problems paying attention yeah. to anything, as I'm sure <laughs> that is obvious. Yeah. Um, gotcha. In any case, in any case, I was having a think about the main um, one of the main characters in it that Peter Sellers plays, Dr. Strangelove the sort of titular character is mm-hmm. that the correct yes, term? that's correct yes. yes so he is a ex-nazi or yeah mad scientist in a wheelchair with great david lynch hair and some mm. cool sunnies and a really nice suit actually mm. and, a, and a a hand that's covered in like a black leather glove that does things of its own accord oh okay anyway sure. he's to be honest like he's 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 pretty hot. I'm sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yes, go. Please go on, Joanna. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, um, everyone. <laughs> I think yeah. it might be the David Lynch hair in the sunnies and like the yeah. black leather glove. I don't know. Yeah. It's doing, it just, it's something. Everything that on. you just described is very your vibe. Yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah dude, come on. 100%. Um, so it got me thinking about the representations of disability in movies and stuff, right? Mm. And you know, because <laughs> we kind of delved and, into representation in general last episode, yeah. I think, and so now we're now we're going to dive into how disability can maybe not be represented the best in yeah. movies sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, sort of close to this time, I saw a, I think, a chronic illness meme with um, poor unfortunate souls. From <laughs> the Little Mermaid. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Yep. I'll, I'll put that little song in there. Uh, yeah. I'll drop it in here. Which is Ursula. A, it's yeah. a hilarious Ursula, hilarious uh, anthem for us sick people. <laughs> I just also want to say that Ursula was based on her appearance is based on Divine the Dragon. I was about queen. to say, yeah, she's a hundred percent Divine, which I love. Like Disney being like. Uh, Big old drag queen. Here we go. Well, queer coding and villainry is something that is tied into all of this as well. Very true. um, Which is very interesting. But then I was thinking about Disney villains too, yo. So let's think about the the Disney villains that we all watched when we were kids. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got missing limbs, scars even. Oh, Um, yeah. There's always uh, something, yeah. Yeah. So... I started um, sort of researching this a little bit and this is only going to be like a surface analysis because it's really quite a big issue. Mm. So I just wanted to read a quote quickly from a Guardian piece about this because I was like, what, who is the first villain that was sort of disabled, right? Yeah. And I started thinking about Shakespeare and Richard III. Okay. So his soliloquy at the start of Richard III is one of the most dramatic openings of any piece of literature. From the play's very first lines, Shakespeare stresses that this central character is vengeful, vindictive and morally vacuous. Richard tells us that he is determined to prove a villain and everything that follows, it is made clear, will be part of the pursuit of this determination. 
But Richard spells out specific details that help us understand his hatred. He is, he observes, not shaped for sportive tricks, but mm, rather is same. rudely stamped. Yes. Def- <laughs> not shaped deformed. for sportive tricks. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> deformed, unfinished, scarce, half made up and cheated a feature by disassembling nature. Yeah. Richard is disabled uh, and the fact of his disabled difference is given as an explanation for his desire to be subtle, false and treacherous. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Many literary villains are disabled, providing a metaphorical shortcut to ideas of deviance, bitterness, or desire for revenge. Mm. So Richard's soliloquy is not actually signaling that the play is a text about a man with disabilities. Here, an unfinished body is more about Richard's character than any real sense of embodied experience. It is treachery rather than disability that his deformations signify. Yeah, right. That's really interesting. So... We can talk about, I think, villains in this aspect being angry and driven to evil and villainry because of an unfinished body. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's bizarre Unfinished how, like, in, you know. Yeah, like in quotes. quotes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, it is really, really interesting because, like, there's movies that have come out in the last few years that have done this, you know. It's not something that is getting mm. any better. Like, um, did you see Detective Pikachu? Pikachu. Its name is Pikachu. I think you know the answer to this question. I do, yeah. Chloe. I, know, I was hoping. <laughs> so in Detective Pikachu, the guy that is the villain is in a wheelchair and he wants to become <sighs> the most powerful Pokemon, Mew, and like insert his brain into Mew so he can be mm-hmm. like so he can walk and fly and do all of that kind of stuff again because he's resentful of his body because he is a wheelchair user and I just remember watching that and just being like that that's weird (laughs) this is very weird I just don't understand why that has to be and it's I didn't sort of think of it until you just just brought this up then it's like it's such a massive trope that's so common and there was an article I, I put in the notes too that covered sort of and of course, like it's 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 like a PhD worthy investigation, and I couldn't totally. find anything kind of totally summarizing how I feel about this. Mm. But there is an article that I posted in our notes, uh, which is five common harmful representations of disability. This article kind of breaks it down as to like why maybe villains in particular, but other people are depicted as having disability in films Mm. and what that is used as in terms of a device to push plot or it's kind of really just honestly, I think of it as a lazy way to signify someone. Yeah, for sure. Frustrated or whatever. Yeah. It seems like a very lazy trope at this point, doesn't it? Because it's happened time and time again well it says almost everyone who lives to old age will eventually experience some form of disability this is why disability is an important experience to include in stories however many depictions of disability perpetuate harmful messages so there's five common ways that this is used in a harmful fashion Mm. so as we were discussing before uh, there's villainous disabilities so as I just said um, a disproportionate number of disabled characters are villains including prominent examples like Darth Vader and Captain Hook yeah, that's. They, it, I was actually just reading the quote that um, sort of says with Darth Vader, it's exemplified by Obi-Wan Kenobi describing him as more machine now than man, twisted and evil. And it's mm. like, wow, I never even, like I'm a massive Star Wars fan and that's, that's never even sort of entered into my mind before. Like that's obviously like how inherent this kind of storytelling is built in. I know. Like as someone that is so passionate about this kind of stuff, it's just not something I've even ever sort of gone, oh, that's a bit weird, you know, like it's it's really fascinating. 
These disabilities are always highly visible or audible. So if you look at the comparison of Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, you can see it, you can hear it. It's totally. built into his suit. Yeah. And Luke Skywalker has a prosthetic hand that looks exactly like a flesh and blood hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, you, of course, you have the mentally ill villain like the Joker. Why so serious? It's a classic example of the way that violence and stereotypical mental illness can become intertwined in that as well. Mm-hmm. So mental yep. illness then becomes a tool that makes the villains seem unpredictable and threatening, which promotes the myth that people with mental illness neurodivergent yeah. brains are inherently totally. dangerous. Yeah. So Oh yeah. A classic. That seems cool. Mm, cool stuff. Uh, and then there's disabled characters that gain magic or technology that gives them the same abilities or more magical abilities than an able-bodied person. Yeah. So I guess you would think of like Bane or something. Oh right? yeah. We oh, love wow. Bane. We love Bane. We love Tom Hardy's very strange vocal choice in no that movie. No one cared who I we was love Tom Hardy. I put on the mask. <laughs> So designing a character's magic or technology so it makes up for their disability also places Mm. a limitation on the abilities of disabled characters that able-bodied characters don't have. It sends the message that disabled people are incapable of accomplishing things without fictional powers and that disability is a terrible thing that defines the entire life of a character and that becoming able-bodied is is an essential goal in a disabled person's life. Yay! And then there's helplessness as well. So like oh, Tiny yeah. Tim. Tiny Tim, yeah. all of that kind of, yeah, the classic. That's I feel like that's just such an inherent, intrinsic part of movie making, just like the helpless little disabled child. It's A just, way to push a story forward that's super oh, lazy. Yeah, it, it's just so intrinsic and in they've been using it for so many years in Hollywood that it's just, <laughs> it's just way too common. And then yeah. we have, which is kind of tied into that as well, your inspiration disability, which I know is a favourite of yours, Chloe. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've we've brought it up uh, like inspiration porn in the past with uh, Stella Young's TED Talk, um, I'm Not Your Inspiration. And so, yeah, the concept of using disabled people as this inspiring person just because they get out of bed every day and be disabled, basically, um, is inspiration porn because it's not well, inspiring when we get out of bed every day it's you know when we do something inspiring that's when we're inspiring you know this is quite good actually disability will present real challenges in the lives of characters but it should be clear that many of these challenges come from society such as a lack of sign language interpreters at events a positive attitude will not solve these problems as stella young so eloquently put it no amount of smiling at a flight of stairs has ever made it turn into a ramp Hell yeah. yeah. And of course, their, their example for this is Forrest fucking Gump, one of the worst fucking movies ever made in history. Hello. My name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. Again, one of those movies that I've seen years and years ago and I barely even remember. And I just have no urge whatsoever to watch Forrest Gump again. I don't oh my understand. God. Why, why is it such a, seen as such a good movie? I find it, it's just so boring to me. Unbelievably I boring. I don't know. Fuck you, Tom Hanks. Fuck anyway. you, Tom Hanks. <laughs> don't come yeah. back here or we'll give you coronavirus again. Get out yeah. of here. Get out of here, Tom Get Hanks. Get out of here. Get out of here. And number five. And so that's one dimensional disability. You can see disabled characters sometimes in movies. And this particular example is Patrick Stewart as a wheelchair user in oh, that movie. What is it? <laughs> oh, it's, about I think superhero mutants. Oh, X-Men. Yeah, X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Fuck. 
Jesus. So it's also talking about Star Trek as well because it's saying that um, one-dimensional disability is where it's just like they've tacked on disability onto a very base-level character and it's like they're, they're not fleshed out in any way, shape or form. It's just the only thing about their personality is that they're disabled. And Yeah, Star and it's Trek, often a straight white man that is yeah. all of the time. Star Trek is a prominent example of this. The casts of Next Generation, Deep Space Nine and Voyager all had multiple white men, multiple white women and multiple men of colour with maybe one woman of colour and one disabled character. And it's like, Mm. that's the only thing you sort of knew about them is that they were disabled or, you know, they were queer or blah, blah, blah. There's no sort of like layered experiences. There's no complexity to their character. It's just you are the disabled one, you know? And any sort of characters with intersecting kind of marginalized identities will be rare in this totally absolutely yeah which again is just lazy writing (laughs) it's just so common how do these people get these movies made unbelievable stuff but yeah Mm. so there's um there's a bunch of different types of harmful representations of disability in the cinema but you know and that's there's probably more that was just uh five of them but that was i thought that was a really good article that was very simply sort of laid out what some of these tropes are you know Mm. That didn't really cover villainry as much, which I think is interesting. Mm. But think about it. Like the the movie The Witches recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, Roald Dahl. hand difference. Yeah. yeah. Limb difference was yeah. a signifier of being wrong and evil mm. in that remake with Anne Hathaway. And that went down a treat on Twitter, didn't it, Just? Yeah. Well, I think it, that was because it was just like they just – popped it into the movie for no reason. Like, it wasn't even in the original books or anything, was it? It was just... No, they, they just, just had really long chucked it fingers. In. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, the DreamWorks movie, How to Train Your Dragon? I think you know the answer to this, Chloe. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have very different tastes in movies, you guys. Um, so, How to Train Your Dragon, I think, is a really... Um, and obviously, I don't have limb difference, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like that is quite a good movie for young children that may like live with limb difference and that kind of thing, because it's about a young boy um, in like the Scottish Highlands who finds a dragon, and the dragon has part of his tail gone in an injury, so can't fly anymore. And then Aww. the little boy also like loses his leg in an accident as well. So they're like they both have limb difference together and it's I, f- I find it really really sweet and it's kind of just oh, like that's so cute they help each other fly and like it's really cool yeah which I find really really yeah it's it's really lovely and it's also I'm getting all torn up over here yeah and the dragon looks like a cat so it's really it's really up my alley Aww, little kitty dragon so cute. yeah very sweet but yeah, anyway, in a... summary, filmmakers do better. Do better. God damn it, guys. The lazy writing around here. Just the whole like evil cripple kind of situation. And that is a, you know, air quotes term as well that is commonly used as a trope uh, in case anyone does not like that word. I apologize. But yeah, it's sort of like person in the wheelchair that's really just angry about life because they're in a wheelchair. It's just so unbelievably common. And their imperfect body. And then it goes all the way back to like eugenics kind of bullshit again. That's where totally. it always always goes back to like totally the imperfect body the sovereign body all of this Mm. kind of stuff and it's just so annoying let's get over it please yeah i'm bored of it now i'm bored of it now so um since we're bored of this now Mm. it's time for some quack oh my gosh i'm really excited about quack watch this week you guys it is I'm, it's a little, sli- I'm slightly scared, yeah. <laughs> All right, take it away. Take it away, Joanna, you absolute 
beast. Maniac. My a beast. <laughs> um, beast. Beast. I put a bit in our show notes about this, and you can see a picture of this person I'm talking mm. about. Thanks, I, I hate it. About him and he's yeah. gross. I hate it. We all know what goop is, right? Mm, yes. Apart from discharge of some sort. But no, no the, uh, <laughs> the, the website. The, the website group. The, the Gwyneth Paltrow bad place, bad people place. Yes. Did you see her being like, oh, I got COVID and then I've got some long COVID symptoms, but I'm fine because I d- drank some wished up herbs and fasted again or some shit. Oh. Jail. 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 Whoa, that was really cool. I yeah. want to like you, Gwyneth. Why are you doing this? Yeah, I want to like you. She's good as Pepper Potts in the Marvel movies, but that's about it. I don't watch that garbage. Um, See, different taste in movies. Very <laughs> different taste in movies, you guys. <laughs> yes. Um, in any case... If you've ever looked at the website and been like, what the fuck? Like, where is this from? Mm. Like, apart from capitalism and trying to sell shower heads made of brass yeah. to, for $500 and like a uni egg, you kind of go, where, where does this woman get these ideas? Do they come to her in visions? Does she dream of them? <laughs> does she um, have a hallucination? I dream of uni eggs. <laughs> yeah. Does she sit under an apple tree with a or a coconut tree with a coconut falling on her head and then imagine all these things from some sort of head injury? No. Mm. No. Not a concussion. No. Okay. Not a concussion. Right. Good to know. It's this. It's this dude. Oh. Because it's always this fucking dude, isn't it? It's, it's always. always there's always a fucking dude. Yep. Sure. His name is Anthony William. Way to have mm. two first names to yeah. start off with. Dickhead. Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Already hate him, but continue. All yep. right. So this guy advises Goop on what sort of medical shit she should recommend, right? Oh, and like what to stock and all of that kind of thing. A bit a bit of it, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's okay. like people need to take extra iodine supplements and then heaps of people get iodine poisoning, that yeah. kind of shit. Oh, good. Yep. He sounds like a very safe person to be around. Yep. Well, let me just tell you. He's the originator of the global celery juice movement. Now, do you remember last year when on online, I think on... Oh, Oh, no. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Are you aroused or disgusted? (laughs) Disgusted. Um, But it's good to know that that my my noises could be (laughs) interpreted as either extremely horny or disgusted. Same noises, to be honest. You never never know. Sorry, it was just the uh, global celery juice movement, like Mm -hmm. those words together just really upset me. Continue. So if you want to click on that medical medium link there, you'll you'll be able to see what what bullshit he's uh, hawking, you know? Yeah, you do. I can see you clicking on it. Okay, anyway. So he's the number one New York Times bestselling author. And if you look on his oh. website, Medical Medium, you can see oh. how many books he loves to sell. <laughs> oh, no. Would you like to maybe no. read out? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't because I love myself too much. <laughs> um, all right. So 
fuck, there's about 60 billion pop-ups that come up when you jump onto this website. And it's like, buy the celery juice. Also, virus protection. Mm-hmm. That I'm assuming is, he's not allowed to say COVID, so he's just said virus protection. And he's selling a book about that. What do you want me to read? There's a, oh. Look, there's just like a million. I just want people to get an idea of the amount of books that this guy has and okay. what they're called. All so right. if you scroll down, there's like a million Meat. of them. So yeah. we have healing plans for sufferers of, sufferers of anxiety, depression, acne, eczema, Lyme, gut problems, brain fog, weight issues, migraines, bloating, vertigo, psoriasis, cyst fatigue, PCOS, fibros, UTI, endometriosis, and autoimmune. Mm. And there's just a picture of a slice of watermelon on the front. Yeah. If you think you don't have any need to do a cleanse, if you're sure you couldn't possibly be harboring any toxins in your body, think again. (laughs) (laughs) My God, what a cunt. Yeah. All right. Uh, We've got praise from um, Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) (laughs) Celery Celery juice is sweeping the globe. It's impressive how Anthony has created this movement and restored superior health and countless people across the world. I wish I could do an impersonation of him. Yeah, me too. Um, oh my god, Pharrell Williams. Do you want to oh. read that one out? <laughs> oh my god. Anthony's understanding of foods, their vibrations. What? And how, <laughs> and how they interact with the body never ceases to amaze me. Effortlessly, he, prote- he explains the potential harmony or disharmony in our choices in a way anyone can understand. He has a gift. Do your body a favor and treat yourself. <laughs> Oh, a little treat of some celery juice. Ooh. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So, but the most <gasps> fucked up Liv, thing about it. No, live Tyler. Oh, no. Fuck. What? Oh, bitch. Come Not on. my Lord of the Rings angel. God damn it. Oh, no. God damn it. Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Oh, Miranda Kerr. That's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that's God. why I didn't bother to mention that. Who else we got here? Oh. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, okay. Novak. No- Novak. Did- I don't know how to say Djokovic. his surname. The tennis guy. Djokovic? The jerk? Yeah, he's a jerk. Is he a jerk? He's the one Anthony that was coming to Melbourne. Anthony has turned numerous lives around for the better with the healing powers of celery juice. <laughs> Novak, <laughs> number one ranked tennis champion in the world. Well, oh, maybe we need to drink celery juice. Oh, well, no, but guess what? I love what? how no. this is how quick this is how it happens, people. We literally have a section <laughs> called Quack Watch, and we've looked at this website for three minutes and already. But, oi, but celery the juice is the James, answer. James Van Der Beek from Dawson's Creek said it's good. Yeah, <laughs> Dawson himself <laughs> says it's good. Um, if he Continue. were a record album, he would far surpass Thriller, the CEO of Atlantic Records. Bitch, shut the fuck up. What? Uh, yeah, anyway. this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. I hate it. Do you want to hear how much it sucks more, though? Yeah, I really do. <laughs> okay, he was the reason why he's so amazing, Chloe. And I know mm. you like don't believe me, but just listen to this. He was born with the unique ability to converse with the spirit of compassion, who provides him with extraordinary accurate, extraordinarily accurate health information that's far ahead of its time. William claims to get all of his direction and information from spirit, which he describes as the living essence of the word compassion. He believes that spirit is not only accurate, but is also ahead of current treatments in what it recommends to him. As in, conventional medicine hasn't caught up yet. He has experienced firsthand the healing power of compassion for others' suffering as well as our own. What do you think of that? 
I don't want to do this anymore. The health ghost. <laughs> There's a health ghost. There's a health ghost. I love that it like his whole thing is just like compassion. Be nice to people and then I have every, a health everyone's ghost. here. <laughs> I, I have a health ghost. Information from spirit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so he's got an imaginary of, friend. Yes. Looking at this picture of him, he needs to use celery juice to, like, fucking sort out that ten head he's got going on, honestly. Yeah, it's not, it's not great, you guys. It's not great. And he just he needs some hair plugs or something, but it's just... I know, it's just like... And I, I feel bad, like, maybe. railing on people's appearances, and I'm not normally don't. that kind of person, but fuck I me. <laughs> fucking hell. I just, I have no, absolutely no respect, and I do not care that I know with when it comes to people like this the reason Uh. why the medical medium information has survived is because it is actually is fixing people and I'm a guy who hears a voice yeah this man needs medication this man needs no please go on think about how crazy I don't want to do it think about how crazy that sounds I mean think about that like wait a minute he hears a voice. Oh, sure, yeah, whatever, sure. This is an actual quote, by the way. Yeah. But but that information has saved countless lives right now, and it's not me that saved their lives, you know? I'm not a smart guy. I've always mm-hmm. said that. Hmm. That well, is a direct quote. I agree with one yeah. thing that he said, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So, so basically his entire thing is, here's a voice... Here's a weird health ghost, the voice of a weird health ghost that tells him shit, random shit that is medically unsound and potentially dangerous. And then other than that, he just tells people to drink celery juice. Mm-hmm. He charges $300 for a phone call to talk to people. Jeez. So there's a case here of um, a woman and her son, Kate Gallagher, Uh, desperate for help for her son Gavin Mm -hmm. who had hearing and respiratory issues and a bunch of other mysterious symptoms right and she got an email from a blog reader suggesting she reach out to Anthony William Mm -hmm. so she did um and I think a lot of our listeners can you know sort of very much identify with that situation of when you're so when you're struggling so much to get any kind of diagnosis and all of the tests are coming back normal and all of that kind of like you very much identify with that level of desperation where you just want some kind of answer and treatment, you know? So that sounds like this what this woman was going through with her son. Mm. So he spoke to this lady for an hour-long $300 phone consultation uh, and didn't heal her son at all, big shock, and instead told her that she had passed on the Epstein-Barr virus to her son in utero. Reading off a list, she wrote Is based on the phone call. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I've never thought about that before. He suggested a benign vitamin regimen, including liquid B12, zinc, and a kind of charcoal detoxifier. Yes, of course. And and like, doesn't taking any kind of charcoal like then ixnay out everything else that you take because it doesn't allow anything to attach? And that's why they used to give it to drug addicts and like if someone had a drug overdose, right? 
Yeah, they give it to people when they're having their stomach pump for alcohol poisoning. So yeah. anyone out there, like if you're taking medication, you should not be taking anything with charcoal, even if it's like charcoal bread or something. Yeah, this like weird shit people that are doing. charcoal burger bun at your local cafe, get rid of it. Absolutely yeah. get rid of it. Get rid of the grapefruit juice as well because that can also have massive contraindications um, with a whole bunch of medicine. So it is actually really, really dangerous to consume any kind of charcoal, anything, even toothpaste, when you're on the type of meds that we're on. So this poor boy died 48 days later of a seizure (gasps) after the consultation. Oh, no! With William, yeah. Fuck! Oh, I did not see that coming. Shit. Oh, God. Yeah. That poor mum. All I could think of was, oh, God, I did this to him. This was me. Oh, that poor woman. Holy shit. Uh, In a recent Goop article about thyroid cancer, William claims that real malignant cancer is a modern phenomenon that started after the Industrial Revolution and that extremely common Epstein-Barr virus is the source of almost all cancers. 98% of the time, cancer is caused by a virus and at least one type of toxin. There are many viruses that can be involved with cancer. EBV is one of them. It is also responsible for breast cancer, liver cancer, almost all lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, colon, prostate, women's productive cancers, leukemia, and many more. I do not understand how people just have this unbelievable confidence to just say these words with absolutely nothing there to back it up, to be like, oh, Epstein-Barr causes um, breast cancer. And you're like, oh, how do you know that, though? And it's like, mm. I just do. Mm. What, what's that about? I don't know. Mm. Jail. But Epstein-Barr is very common. Totally. I've, I've, I've got, got Epstein-Barr. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it does actually cause, uh, a lot of the time, chronic fatigue, I think mm. there's a link, as we've discussed. But we're not doctors. We're not yeah. selling... readings and saying it causes cancer. Well, that's the thing is that, like, I think with all of the long COVID symptoms and that kind of stuff, people are sort of waking up to the idea that viruses like COVID and Epstein-Barr and stuff can cause lifelong effects. Like, that's becoming more Mm. common knowledge now. Whereas, like, even when I started getting sick, like, and getting all my fibro symptoms and stuff like that, I never made that connection at the time because it just wasn't something that was really spoken about. And there's no direct proof links and all of that kind of stuff, but it is definitely something that a lot of doctors and the medical industry is very much investigating as time goes on because it does seem to line up quite a lot. But yeah, we're also not trying to sell you celery juice, so. This article is really fascinating. He's also treating geriatric patients and telling them they have EBV, um, really restricting their diets after $500 half hour phone calls uh, and killing How is one hour $300? One hour is 300, but half an hour is 500. (laughs) I don't know. I think he's just making it up (laughs) as he goes along. But anyway, this is a really good article in Inverse Mm. and we'll link to it as well. But I am just absolutely shocked that this was written in 2018. (gasps) He's from Um, Florida. There we go. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And we'll link to this. I'm just like totally shocked that this person is continually allowed to do this Mm. and that Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop see no problem with encouraging this fucking murderer, let's face it. And not just like encouraging, like actively giving him... um, A platform. A platform and also like on his website... Like recommending him to people. That's like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not like they're just ignoring it and just being like, oh, yeah, we didn't see anything. They're actively going, nah, go to this guy. Like, it's yeah. Oh, yeah. baffling. Yeah. Baffling. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
So wow. he's probably one of the worst quack watchers we've ever had, I reckon. The health ghost. What the hell? He's... That, all that stuff he said about, like, 98% of the time cancer is caused by a virus and he, it, he reckons it causes all types of cancers, like EBV they and that kind of thing. They feed off heavy metals, copper in the system. Yeah. And so this, this is all leading to fasting and this kind of stuff. This is where it all comes from. It's like not feeding the virus. His historical assertion that it is a modern phenomenon that started after the Industrial Revolution is patently untrue. Ancient Egyptians described cancer on papyri dating back thousands of years ago. It's also, like, what, what else happened in the Industrial Revolution? Let's think about it. Perhaps medical inventions? Perhaps mm, yeah. us knowing more about the body? Perhaps like surgeons not being butchers as well? Or yeah. having to go get your te- teeth taken out at the barber? Like... Maybe yeah. shit like that has something to do with it. Yeah. Maybe a lot of people were dying from cancer. We just didn't have the tools or the language to fucking deal with it, you know, at certain points in, in history, you know? Like, it's always been there. Oh, anyway, this man is, mm. this man is bad. Anyway, oh. how should we um, dispose of him, do you think? I want to set him on fire. Okay, cool. I want, him, I want to, like, shrink him down really, really small like an ant and then get, like, mm-hmm. a magnifying glass with the sun Ooh. going through it and, like, burn him. <laughs> burn him like a little oh, little like ant this. if that makes me a serial killer i'm fine with it i'm fine with it yeah everyone yeah. with that's had epstein-barr virus and has it can can have a term with a magnifying glass yeah we'll just, just email go. us at chronically sick at gmail.com and we'll put you on the list yeah we can uh go for a little group activity together um and burn, burn this man with a giant magnifying glass <laughs> <laughs> penciling it in the diary as we speak What's up next? Spoonie Hotline. Here's Georgie with Lupus. <laughs> Hello, Spoonie Hotline. Um, sorry if this sounds windy. I'm coming to you live from Ashfield Park. Um, my name's Georgie and I've got lupus, um, which is an autoimmune disease uh, made famous by uh, everyone's favourite television doctor, uh, House. Um, and I've been wanting to call in ever since I listened to you guys talking about Lyrica in the first ep, because I've got a bit of a funny, weird story about it. Um, so uh, early last year I developed these um, uh, apparently completely rare lupus symptoms in my arm. It, it kind of was presenting like thoracic outlet, but it's I had every test for thoracic outlet, and believe me, there are lots of them, and it wasn't that. Um, yeah, so like numbness and loss of use in my arm, uh, uh, you know, really um, acute upper pain in the upper arm, colour change, coldness, um, lots of very fun symptoms, but um, I was in quite a lot of pain, so um, my GP prescribed me Lyrica, um, because it was looking like it was more nerve pain than anything else. Um, So my GP's amazing, Um, she prescribed me 25 milligrams, very uh, sensible starting dose and sort of warned me of all the symptoms and side effects. But um, unfortunately, I went to the pharmacy on a very busy Saturday and he accidentally gave me 300 milligram doses. Um, And of course, I didn't realize because I wasn't looking. 
um, which I was taking twice a day. <laughs> so it um, uh, kind of ruined my life. Um, I was I was so zonked out. I was dropping things. I was like trailing off in the middle of sentences. Oh, sorry, some pigeons just flew around me. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna keep that in. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm walking away now. The pigeons scared me. Um, look basically ruined my life it took a really long time to wean me off it um and it was just all in all a bad experience but it did make the pain go away so who am i to say whether it was bad or not um though actually it was bad that was a roller coaster <laughs> Holy sh- you got prescribed 25 milligrams and are accidentally taking 600 a day. Oh my god. That. <laughs> Joe and I both physically yelped listening to that. That was. Oh my god. That is unbelievable. Holy How are you hell. alive? <laughs> yeah. Lyrica fucked me up and I was just on the 25. I can't imagine what it would have been like taking that. Maybe ma- you needed Whoa. to take more. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I don't know if I'm anxious or like, I can't deal with it at all. Georgie, thank you so much, but also, oh my God, holy shit. That is just an insane story. I hope that hasn't story. done any, any kind of long-term damage um, to them. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. That would have taken such a long time to wean off of. Holy and I'm scared moly. of birds too, so. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Of, yeah, I'm not a fan of birds either. So I was like, oh, oh dear. But uh, shout out to Ashfield oh. Park, though. Love me some Ashfield Park. Good for you. Glad you're uh, back in I'm the like land of the same now. Same. That oh has God. absolutely thrown me. I am. Yeah, that's thrown me. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. All okay. right. So, who's up, who's up next? Um, we've got a lovely message from Lena, who I know quite well. And hi, Lena. She, hi. And she was discussing her recent adventures with. Endo, mm-hmm. when, we're at, when we were down the pub the other day. So she has kindly called in with a message about that. And it sounds like a pretty rollicking roller coaster of a tale. So over For to sure. you. Over to you, darling Lenny. So in 2019, I had a car crash because I wasn't paying attention uh, in standstill traffic as I was having really severe period pain. I totaled my car and um, thankfully didn't hurt anyone else, but I was too embarrassed to tell anyone that the cause of the crash was period pain. I had whiplash and I took two months off work um, to rest up and recover from the shock and sort of figure out what, what was going on. And during that time, Uh, my partner and I were having sex and while we were having sex I experienced pain so hard in my pelvic region that I threw him off me and I curled up into a little ball and screamed and cried and he wanted to take me to the hospital but because of my knowledge about how women's pain is often received at an emergency ward 
I refused. So I just did that for two days. Um, but while I was curled up in a ball for two days, I texted a mate who had been diagnosed with endometriosis about 10 years prior. And I wanted to ask them about their process of having that diagnosed. And the thing that they said to me was that uh, you really want to make sure that it's not something else first um, because a lot of things happen in that area and because of misogyny, um, obviously, they just don't look at that area the same way as other areas that are shared by more people. So there's a wide range of uh, syndromes and disorders or cancers that could be diagnosed because of pelvic pain and menstrual pain or uh, sexual disruption and, and all of those awful things. So depending on your history that the doctor takes, um, yeah, well, and depending on how seriously they take you and how seriously you take your doctor, that, that will drive the story but don't assume that it's endometriosis because if it is endometriosis there's no cure and that can take years to get diagnosed and so for my friend it took them seven years to get it diagnosed and that was uh that's still pretty standard for a lot of people which fucking sucks um and really needs to change um so with that information in my head, um, I took it to the doctor and I told her, hey, so this happened during sex, which is apparently some magic words you can say to your doctor. And they're like, oh, no, that's awful. Um, you must be able to have babies and all that shit. Um, let's let's send you down the route of getting this inspected. So I had about six ultrasounds, one every two months, um, for about a year. Uh, and then throughout that process, we found like huge cysts, but nothing consistent. So like, uh, one time a, a, a four centimeter cyst on my right ovary, another time a two centimeter cyst on my left ovary, but they'd always move around and the pain would be different and there'd be fibroids, all this shit. Um, and so eventually, uh, they took tests for like blood tests for a particular kind of cancer, uh, that they can pick up in your blood tends to predict it. And once that had all cleared up and lots of pain on my end, I'm really tired. Uh, I said to the doctor, okay, like this doesn't seem to be helping. Uh, can you send me to this particular gynecologist that I've looked up, they seem to be feminists and helpful and just happen to be around the corner from my house. And so I got an appointment with them. And the first thing that the doctor says, said to me was, this sounds like maybe stage one endometriosis. And if it's stage one endometriosis, I don't see the point in cutting you open because that's pretty unsatisfactory we probably won't find very much and you'll just be like it, it's going to be like more painful for you to like recover than 
than it's worth and we might make things worse. So we went down the course of hormonal treatment and the pill that she put me on gave me a UTI. So we stopped that. And then she suggested that I get an IUD uh, or to consider getting an IUD at the same time as a laparoscopy if I thought that the pain was bad enough. But by that point, uh, it was March 2020, so the Australian government had stopped all uh, non-urgent surgeries. So I had been given a little bit of um, voluntary time to consider how much pain I was in and get on with things and, and save, save my thoughts to myself in lockdown. And I had a little chat with her around August when I went in for an HPV related thing and she said these are still your options if it's really that bad just send me an email and I'll put you on a list and so I did that uh, because the pain was getting exceedingly bad it was starting to be uh, triggering of very similar feelings to when I have my post-traumatic stress triggered but like I wasn't able to correlate that until reflecting upon my behavior and what was happening around the time that these symptoms were flaring up so my window of tolerance was just getting smaller and smaller when I was inflamed and I was very confused either very very sad very very angry and it really felt like there was something inside me like attacking me basically and that that feeling really sucked it was also a really confusing and lonely feeling um that uh impacted my sex life for a bit but like I know that a lot of people who suffer these kinds of things have their sex life impacted for a little while um but other people they get really horny as well so I've experienced that too and people just have fluctuating sex lives so that's super normal anyway I contacted my doctor and said this is happening let's do the laparoscopy and give me an IUD at the same time so she was able to do that for me on the 1st of February which was just a couple of weeks ago now uh, so I can't tell you that the, everything's like so much better now, but I definitely feel like there's a before and after to all of this and that I was definitely minimizing my menstrual pain because I thought that I was experiencing something that everyone experiences and apparently that's not the case. Apparently not everyone gets worse pain as they get older and takes a whole bunch of painkillers just to get through the day um, and it was really validating to hear that like not only am I like fucking tough as balls but also that I was right to like push on through through all of this because like I, I have so much respect for the, the people who have like had to like figure out what the fuck was going on for them and that having taken like 
more than seven or up to like 10 years to get the laparoscopy and diagnosis because like it could, it can get so much worse than what I experienced and I, I, I really felt like I was in hell. There was so much in there that I identify with so, so much. That feeling of, you know, you just think everything's totally normal and, you know, you don't want to complain about it because you don't want to – you just think everyone's going through the same thing. And then when you finally do find out that there was something wrong and you were right to, you know, keep asking questions and push, like, through all of this kind of stuff to be able to get some form of treatment, it is such a relief even if it's not – the best you know a a treatment that is (laughs) like making your life uh enormously easier but yeah there was so much in there I I identify with and I'm glad that there's a a before and after for you at this stage that's that's great to hear it's really um typical of endo and fibro and all these associated things of the diagnosis taking a decade. Oh, totally. We, we hear that all over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's just unacceptable to me that, um, you know, uh, AFAB people, women, non-binary people have to experience this pain for that long before mm. the problem gets solved. Yeah, to be taken um, seriously with it. It's bizarre. Yeah. I'm going through this process at the moment as well. And she did mention that, like, you think that like when you're getting older that your menstrual pain that does apply to younger people as well like your period should not hurt to the point where you have to be in bed for like two days that's totally. not normal yeah absolutely um i put this down recently to me just getting older um and not having children mm. Because well, they, that's, that's what... definitely a myth, isn't it? That, you know, you, oh, your periods will just get worse as you get older kind of thing. That's yeah. totally something that I've definitely heard before. Yeah, and I'm getting stuff like ovulation pain um, and things like that. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So mm. this was a really good conversation for me to have with her. I think there's a couple of interesting things that she said in there as well in terms of, like, there's magic words to get doctors to listen to you totally. in terms of pelvic pain. Like, yeah. if you frame it in a way of it's stopping me having sex in a normal normal mm. way where it doesn't cause me pain or, it, you know, it's you tie it more to a reproductive capacity and doctors are more likely to listen to you, which and is just how, disgusting. How bizarre is that? It's just like as soon as you say, I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to have babies, they just, like, jump into action. Like, that's the most important thing rather than you living your life and <laughs> being able to have quality of life and a life without pain it's yeah that's it just speaks this just speaks to me so much because she is such a fierce like um feminist self-advocate kind of person that mm. this process was so difficult for a person that i consider to be like extremely intelligent and forthright and that this process was like just as difficult for her as well yeah do you know what i mean um and the feelings of the other thing of making sure your doctor is a feminist Mm. is 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 an interesting point oh yeah Um, i like straight up refuse to see just male doctors in general at this stage like and i have to research every doctor i go to before i go to them to make sure that they're on the same wavelength as me so essentially yeah feminist and progressive (laughs) because yeah definitely it's just a waste of your money otherwise like, you almost have to interview them when you first start talking to anyone. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
but also those feelings of like being attacked by your own body. Mm. Oh God. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm in constant battle with my body every single fucking day. Totally. Same. And it's exhausting. Yeah. yeah it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting experiencing the battle and then it's exhausting constantly having to think about what you have to do to like three steps ahead for the on for the upcoming battle, you know? Like you're constantly it's front and center in your body and brain at all times and it's so frustrating. It's like and we might discuss this further in like another episode or whatever. It's really really fucking difficult to buy into the body acceptance self-love kind of stuff Mm. when you live inside of a body that is you're constantly at war with it is really difficult to not hate your body absolutely yeah and and the effect medication has on it yeah and it's like difficult not to be resentful like yes sometimes yeah for sure yeah Yeah. i guess that loops back to why you know this myth of this villain is created as well yeah of a person that is so angry and frustrated with their body apart from the element that we were discussing that is just straight up eugenics yeah Um, absolutely no but yeah like your your body fluctuating with endo and like swollen bellies and things like mm. that is so difficult to fucking handle the way like it affects sex and relationships and all this kind of stuff. And you know how how um, Lenny was saying that pain and this battle with your body can be really triggering in terms of past trauma and PTSD mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff, oh, which is something like I think is at the back of a lot of people's brains that experience chronic pain or illness, but we don't necessarily acknowledge a lot. Um, Yeah, for sure. We might discuss this again further. Like there's actually a lot of discussion around how long-term chronic pain can actually be like cause a certain type of PTSD. And there's also a lot of um, investigation into whether trauma and PTSD has ties to chronic pain, like in the way that your nervous system deals with a lot of like your nervous system basically doesn't deal with it properly, so therefore yeah, you get chronic pain from it. Yeah, mm, um, mm. there's a lot of like studies and that kind of thing being done in that space as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's all tied together. Really, like it's all very, it feels very cyclical. Like you know, one thing it's triggers an ecosystem, another. Ecosystem, baby. Mm, a horrible, <laughs> horrible ecosystem. A horrible ecosystem. Oh, awful. Yes. Anyway, thank you to our callers this week. That was both amusing, enlightening. Um, horrifying horrifying (laughs) (laughs) as always if you would like to um yeah it usually is huh our call is always very funny and smart yeah if any if anyone anyone out there would like to send in a voice message for spinny hotline the easiest way to do that is record into the voice memory function on your phone and then email it to us at chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com um, we want to hear your stories, what you're going through, sing us a song, read us a poem, have a bitch, whatever you want. It's yeah. always helpful to everyone else that is listening and helpful to us too. So yes. bless y'all. All about that uh, community and solidarity, baby. Anyway, that wraps up this episode for this week. Yes. Um, please remember to rate, review, subscribe because that's what other podcasters say at the end of their podcasts and professional <laughs> But, like, also it does help other people that are chronically fully sick find us and not people that sell celery juice as a cure to cancer. We love science here. We love common sense. And we Mm -hmm. love talking shit. 
Yeah. And we hate, what's that guy's name? We health, hate health, health ghost. <laughs> <laughs> we hate the health ghost. We hate the health ghost. And we oh hate my God, the health ghost is going to haunt me now. Like when I'm on the toilet. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just <laughs> revenge. Yeah, revenge by the health ghost. Oh god, sounds like Scooby Doo. Like, and I would have gotten away revenge with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's us done. Bye, everyone. Just your voice, your poor unfortunate soul. It's sad. Want to cross a bridge, my sweet, you've got to pay the toll. Take a gulp and take a breath and go ahead and sign your scroll. Got some jets and now I've got her, boys. The boss is on a roll.